Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's another podcast. I'm your host, Joshua. And uh, yes, I know I didn't do a podcast last week, but I am really close now. Actually, I do have projections done, at least a first pass. I got to go back through and clean it up a little bit. And uh, then I got to get all the projections together in one thing, as you know. So I put out my big package of uh, all these stats. I call it the singularity. And I'm going to have that out in the next couple of weeks for you guys. So keep an eye out for that. Lots of things going on. Um, I really get to have a lot of fun looking at the the details right now, pulling up like league-wide stats and team-wide stats. And that's where I start to nerd out. So that'll be a lot of fun when you can get your hands on that with, as always, custom scoring. And you'll be able to see how that affects the players and their ranks and projected points and everything. So that's coming up. Keep an eye out for it. Another thing I wanted you to keep an eye out for is, and I'm going to talk about it in detail later in the at the end of this episode, but if you've ever wanted to be a part of a Fusion Fantasy Football Listener League, this is the closest this is going to get. I'm running a charity league already have a few people on there um, signed up because they are following me on Twitter at Fusion FFB and they were paying attention and they caught me uh, kind of, I guess, just kind of talking about and musing about it and uh, there was enough interest. So we're going to go ahead and do it. It's a $25 charity league for toys for tots through uh, our good friend George's charity Break from the Grind charities and uh, I mean they are a legit charity I've seen a photo of the fancy paperwork they have that says they are a charity so uh, no it's the real deal over there with George so give them a follow to BFTG pod but enough of all of that we will get to more details on what that charity league is about because it kind of ties in to my guest that's right I have a guest this week it's not just me talking to you I have with me today John Hogue. He, of course, is the host of the Super Flex Super Show. Also a writer for Dynasty League Football DLF. You can find him on Twitter at the aptly named handle at Super Flex Dude. John, how you doing? Dude, Josh, thanks for having me, man. This is... Uh... You've got such a unique. First of all, I love the the at the beginning every time when you say this is this is a pod podcast. This is a podcast. This is like like you just kind of stumbled into your your recording studio and said, "Wait, is this a is this a podcast? I guess I podcast now. I guess I'm podcasting." (laughs) It had been a while. You've got you've got like the funky intro music. Like this is the closest thing to an NPR. Uh, like fantasy football podcast that exists, I love it, and so it's it's just a it's a pleasure to be here with you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I always joke that like half my listeners are uh, are other people who have their own podcast. Uh, so I actually along those lines, I did forgot to mention I with my projections coming out, I'm kind of trying to put something together where I get reactions from people who uh, on specific teams. 
um because i put out i put it out in the form of of course all the stats and everything all the players but also team snapshots where you get a picture of just the team each team all the stats and so if there's anyone out there listening even if you don't consider yourself an analyst but if you have a team that you really follow and you feel like you've got a good grasp on it go ahead and reach out to me at fusion ffb on twitter you can email me fusionffb at gmail.com. I'm trying to get together like a whole bunch of just like five minute reaction audios and I'll throw those together into a couple episodes. Um, that'll kind of be like my, you know, projections release. But I kind of want to get people's critiques on it from a lot of perspectives, just team by team. So I don't, I don't know if you have a team you follow that you might be interested in that. But I know, like I said, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that I joke around with them that they uh, they don't they don't follow or share because they have their own podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Denver Broncos. I'll I'll talk Denver Broncos with you anytime. But there's right, a I'll put you on the list. <laughs> nice. It's a it's a man. It's a it's a pretty vast network of Bronco fan. I mean. You know, my co-host Stompy is uh, is a Broncos fan. Um, Connor Allen and Brandon Marianne Lee. There's a there's a ton of them out there. So um, you can't go but, very far on Twitter without bumping into either a Denver or a Detroit fan or Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Well, that's you yeah. can't go anywhere in fantasy world without bu- bumping any into someone from Minnesota at all. Period. That's true. It's, that's true. <laughs> I mean that that is pretty much mecca for for fantasy football. Yeah, I don't. Like, I, I don't think know that's where it, it was actually invented. In fact, probably a bunch of bored old men, uh, <laughs> in stuck in their snowed in houses. That sounds about right. Yeah. All right, John. Yeah. It worked out though because I do have. I talked about that charity league. We're talking about a lot of super flex things. Of course, we just had Scott Fishbowl, which is a super flex league. So there's a bunch of super flex things going on. So I'm glad I had you on here. And I know that as uh, a super flex guy, you in particular, and I'll be honest, I've I've talked out loud many times while listening to your podcast about complaining <laughs> about your love of quarterbacks and and maybe you're overvaluing them but yeah. uh that's okay i'm gonna give you the chance tonight to to sort something of that out now the reason the reason i got you on here because that's what i do here I, it, this is completely not very well planned at all uh i just let things happen like i let them fall into place and this just worked out it just it just worked out that's the best those are the those are the best ones and they work out my wife complains that i procrastinated i just tell her i'm patient um it all works out so you're here but it came in a strange way i kind of um i responded to one of your tweets you were talking about something so we're gonna get a little bit serious here but i don't know not too serious and then we'll yeah. go into the player that kind of came out of it that I was kind of poking you about. But uh, you had, I don't know, was it just one tweet? Was it just that one tweet? Some guy one was, tweet, was yeah. yelling at you? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, one one tweet about Aaron Rodgers' wide receivers. You know? I and so I, I, and I had, didn't like your take? Yeah, yeah. I, so I had some screenshots of workout metrics from, um, you know, four wide receivers who have been wide receiver one for fantasy purposes, uh, 
you know, as members of the Green Bay Packers, you know, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, um, Randall Cobb, and then, of course, Devontae Adams. And, I mean, Adams actually had really good workouts, but I looked at his comp. Like, he was comp to Pierre Garçon. <laughs> he has, like, you know, he was not all that good in college. Um, very low college dominator, very low breakout age, or high breakout age, I guess. Um, you know, and, and basically the point being, you know, everybody's complaint about Aaron Rodgers is that the Green Bay Packers didn't get him, you know, any wide receivers in the NFL draft this year, which is, you know, it's somewhat valid because this was a this was a historically good, you know, class for wide receivers. But, you know, I I don't I don't like the narrative that, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be able to do anything without any wide receiver help because he's never had wide receiver help. Devontae Adams is by far the best wide receiver he's ever had, and he still has him. You know, every, the rest of these guys, Aaron Rodgers made these guys. And uh, that was kind of the point of the tweet. And, uh, yeah, so which, you know, I expected some pushback. Um, I, I didn't necessarily expect... You know the some of the some of the disrespect um, that you get on Twitter right at the moment. I guess it is what it is, but um, you know I, I expected some some pushback. I just I was also a little surprised by the fact that people are trying to make the argument that you know those those workout ma- metrics don't really tell you anything. Um, that Jordy Nelson was you know a an objectively great wide receiver, not just a good wide receiver, but a great wide receiver. He would have done the exact same thing on any team. I just, and I just don't agree, man. I just don't, you know? And then you had a, a podcast you did yourself with the, on your Superflex super show. Um, you'd had a little solo pod and it kind of resonated with me. You talked about how, and I don't know, did that ha- what happened first? I gotta ask that that <laughs> episode or the yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, tweet? That, <laughs> yeah, that happened first. I've been I, I I've been like getting into Twitter arguments all over the place lately, and um, one of them goes back actually several weeks. You know, before the Scott Fishbowl even started, uh, before the draft began, I was running mock drafts for people um, who wanted to to jump in and, you know, prep a little bit for SFBX for the draft. And, um, so I put together about 60 mock drafts and, uh, we, we gathered some ADP for it as well. And then, you know, on a monthly basis, I also, uh, I, uh, I put together mock drafts. I know that you've been a part of several of them. Um, where we gather Superflex ADP for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And, you know, some a, another DLF writer at the time, <laughs> he's not anymore, um, but at the time, you know, he tweeted uh, that mock drafts are a waste of time. And, <laughs> you know, so I DM him. I was like, dude, like, I need people to to mock draft. I need people to feel like this is not a waste of time. And the, I mean, the reality is it's not. It's not a waste of time to mock draft, especially when you're building ADP. 
or but it, I mean, even in the case of those Scott Fishbowl mock drafts, you know, I, I don't I don't agree that people were wasting their time preparing for this, um, you know, for for this very difficult, very unique draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the big argument is, like, it, you know, it, what it amounted to was he was trying to get uh, some extra. Um, some extra publicity for his other website that he had just recently joined who create mock drafts um, or, or they don't even mock draft. They create ADP off of live drafts that they, that they use from their own website, yeah. which is great. Uh, you know, his argument is that, you know, you get cleaner ADP when the people drafting have skin in the game. They've bought in, they bought this roster, and now the the roster that they're drafting is one that can actually like win or lose them, you know, money, accolades, whatever. And I just I, I I'm I'm like, that's that's fine. You know, there's a, a finer way to shine. That's that's great, but that doesn't invalidate the mock drafts that we're doing. It doesn't invalidate the ADP that we're collecting. Because I'm I'm going out and getting some very strong, uh, you know, dynasty minds, um, very good super flex players. They're taking this seriously, first of all, and um, you know I've I've got a kind of a mix of of analysts and you know more casual super flex players jumping in every month, but every single one of them is taking this very seriously. Every single one of them is a very good fantasy player, a very good dynasty player, a very good super flex player. They're they're putting together very clean ADP, and it's not a waste of time. You're getting very good ADP from DLF from these mock drafts. There's so, been several of those, by the way, that I've yeah. looked at by and I'm done. I'm like, can we make this a real league? Because I really right? like this team. <laughs> like, yeah. This never happens to me in real league. What's going on? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I do that too. And and it, like I said, I mean, you know, you've you've got some very good people in there doing these yeah. these mock drafts and and you know putting together together some very strong teams and it and it just leads to very good, very clean ADP that is absolutely worth the time to to do it and we do it every single month i do it even during this season oh yeah um you know when people are still paying more attention to their own to their to their actual leagues they're still coming in and mock drafting and uh you know it it, it does it just creates some very useful adp so i i didn't understand his his motive you know, for for trying to shit on our ADP like that, um, and and our mock drafts, and um, I don't know. It just it it really kind of did just send me into this spiral. Like I said, it was it was very self indulgent what he was trying to do. Um, it was very transparent as well. He was trying to step over one website that he you know, that he worked for in order to promote another website and. Um, I don't know. I just started from there. I just kind of started to notice what's yeah. going on here. There's a lot of self-promotion going on. You know, there's a lot of um, people trying to kind of plant their flags. There's 
there's and it's it's just there's just a lot of toxicity you know and it's and it's really affecting me because when i joined this community and when i started doing fantasy analysts uh, analysis it was such a supportive community all the time you know it was it was uh there was a a, a overwhelming feeling of you know when when we all do better we all do better and that's not there anymore you know it's kind of become every man or you know woman for themselves it's been it's be, it's kind of become you know there's we and I talked about it on that solo episode but we kind of shifted from an abundance mentality of you know there's room for everybody there's um you know there's there's plenty of audience for everybody to a scarcity mindset of you know, there's only room for one you know super flex analyst for instance yeah and you know there 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 are a lot of people who <laughs> right now would would really like to uh you know, to, to make it to the top of that mountain and, and claim it and just kind of push everybody else out. I've started calling that a vacated targets mindset. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's very apt. Yes. (laughs) Um, and and maybe this is a little bit of credit to you then and, and the success that you and DLF has had and, and the work you guys put in, because I know at least on the lower levels, there still does, uh, exists that kind of camaraderie and that support um a lot of the guys and and i've been the beneficiary of it and i try to to hand you know pay that forward to to other other people um yeah there's a guy in in i started doing live drafts for the scott fishbowl too we did a couple live streams had a lot of fun um and through that i was able to you know kind of meet some new people that i'd seen around twitter but hadn't interacted that closely with and then suddenly here i am you know two three times spending two hours <laughs> with them hanging out <laughs> on on screen and you know you've got some new friends and uh one of the guys just started uh, a new new thing jacob uh just started up uh, snake in the draft um podcast uh, i haven't given him a shout out yet maybe i'll get him in here but you know is that jake jake vines jake vines yeah jake snake so uh, he nice. just started up something. Justin started up toilets, uh, toilets to tiles, and I'm actually going to be on with them tomorrow night, 8:30 Eastern, on their little live stream YouTube. So uh, there's a bunch of guys still doing stuff and still supporting each other. So I don't, I wouldn't, don't lose faith. I think that's a little bit maybe, uh, uh, like I said, a credit to you that when you start getting up there, I, I wonder too. That's kind of why I wanted to ask you about it about like it's kind of saturated like you said um mm-hmm. and i wonder if everyone's kind of feeling that it's it's harder and harder to get attention and there's less and less targets to go around uh we're gonna <laughs> you know we're in a touch squeeze here right so um i just wonder <laughs> when i listen to guys like even even matthew barry but that's even maybe too far back but even more recently you you hear some a lot of these guys talking about you know zach reese and seeley these guys talking about how if if they started now they wouldn't be where they are but it was just because they were in the right place at the right time that they were able to get exposure and they were able to get 
to where they are. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. now there's a whole lot of people starting that want to be where they are, and there's maybe not even room or avenues for them to get there. It, have we just kind of entered a whole new level of saturation that we didn't even have? You know, when I started this two, three years ago, I felt like we were already saturated, saturated, and I was like, yeah, that's not happening for me. This is just a hobby. This is just for fun. <laughs> I'm not even right. you know, going to try, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. But you said it's, and I've seen a little bit of it. It's gotten even a little worse, and I continually see more and more new projects starting. It's something I keep an eye on just for what I do. And yeah, have we entered even another like layer of saturation <laughs> than in just the last year? Uh, I mean, I, I, like we we have, but I mean, and that that's kind of the the scarcity mindset that I'm, that I'm talking about when those guys say mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it, it would be way too hard to fight through the noise right now. Right. Um, you know, I, I just, because I, I, you know, what they're, what they're essentially saying and, and I get it, I just don't ag- agree, you know, but what they're essentially saying is, you know, everybody's on stage so there's nobody in the audience, you know, we yep. need people in the audience. We can't have everybody doing a podcast, everybody writing for a website because hey, we I've, need somebody to just consume. Yeah. Hey, and, I joked and, about that in my own podcast. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> well, yeah, really. I was like, I said, have the people listening to this have their own podcast, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's the thing. I, they're still listening, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'm still listening to you. You're still listening to me. It's not like that. That's what I mean by the, the abundance mindset that used to exist is that you could be an analyst and be a consumer at the same time. That's the piece that's missing it. And I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, that, that, um, that, you know, that, that dynamic that, that, they're kind of imagining where, like I said, you know, everybody's on stage, nobody's in the crowd. I don't, I don't think that that's exactly what's going on. I just think that, um, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot more people thinking about this at a much higher level. And I think that that's a good thing. I, I, I do acknowledge that. I mean, it makes it that much tougher to separate, you know, it makes it that much tougher to, to kind of differentiate yourself, you know, from everybody else. Um, every single take on earth exists, um, other than (laughs) somehow, even with all these brand new podcasts, still nobody agrees with me on Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's a little interesting, but, and that's not even true. There's, there are a couple, but, um, you know, it, it, it makes it really hard to, uh, to be creative, you know, everything's been said, everything's been done. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having low barriers to entry. Um, I think that where it really, you know, where, where it really goes south on us, where it really becomes, uh, you know, toxic for us is when, people do shift to that scarcity mindset and people like that guy who, who came at me about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, his entire goal was to, to, was to make his name, 
you know, he wants to make himself look good by making me look bad. Um, it was very transparent. And, uh, and I, I understand that approach. I understand that strategy. It's just, it doesn't work. And in fact, you know, enough people are doing that right now that it's making it, you know, really difficult to sort through, you know, who, who are the people who are, who are worth listening to, um, who's, you know, who's actually, uh, who, who's creating the content that, that I can actually trust, who are the voices that I can actually trust and, you know, who's just out here to, to try and, I don't know, get rich, I guess. Like what, I, I don't even understand <laughs> what the point is. Right. You know, I, I don't even understand what their, what their goal is with that. Nobody is getting rich off of this. Matthew Berry's getting rich. Um, you know, a, a, a few of the guys on YouTube are getting rich. The footballers are somewhat getting rich. Zacharyson's paying his bills. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you know, most of us, like, no, nobody else is, is making real money at this. So, you know, I don't even understand what it is that we're trying to fight over. But, um, you know, it, it does make it really difficult you know, when when you've got an entire community of, of people trying to, you know, stake their own claims, trying to plant their own flags rather than, you know, just kind of every everybody, uh, you know, supporting one another, uh, everybody getting down off the stage into the audience. And, it, you know, it, it makes it really difficult to sort through it. And it really kind of makes it difficult for people to even be a part of it, you know, it gets, it gets, it gets really, it's just a really negative energy and it's, it's not a good thing, man. Well, when I started fusion fantasy football, I definitely, I was a consumer. I did was, and I mostly still do like listening to podcasts half the day while at work. And we're talking anywhere from five to eight hours worth of podcasts um, depending on how, you know, on top of it, I stay plus I'm on, you know, 125% speed. So I'm flying through all this stuff and that's why I started this thing. And it's funny because it's like, it, I started consuming more when I started, when I got on stage. And so mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't even make sense. Um, so yeah. yeah, a lot of the people out there. And, and I think the thing I would say to a lot of people out there, if you are trying to start something new, you, you're not going to succeed by just taking audiences from other people, you're going to succeed by creating your own audience and you're going to succeed by finding that niche, that that's something or just making a new thing that wasn't there before. And fantasy as an industry in formats and everything is expanding. Best ball. We've got, you know, the draft closed, but now the guy who made that has already started something else up, you know? Uh, so it's like, follow those kind of things you maybe you can't make it um i'll say it this way you, you talked about the, the analogy of an audience on the stage right well mm -hmm. why should you be able to expect to get up on that stage and get attention from the crowd when it's not even your stage like you didn't make that stage go somewhere else yeah. and make a stage over there and people will start getting in your audience but if you just mm -hmm. start getting up on other people's stages, 
um, and start trying to shout over other people that are also on that stage who were there first, you can't expect it to go over well. And so make your own stage, get your own audience, um, or or just work with them, which is kind of what I tried to do. Uh, I'm not going to say it worked reasonably well or not, but I, I tried to fill like a little bit of a niche like in between the consumer and the creators. So I've done things, try to support creators. I don't pretend other podcasts don't exist. I share and recommend content freely if it's good um while at the same time i try to provide that as a service to the consumers because like you said um if, if they learn to trust me and they can trust what i'm referring them to they find more and better content than maybe they were able to find because it is so saturated it is so hard to find stuff there's so many different podcasts and so hard to sort through and and figure out which ones are actually worth listening to. And so uh, mm-hmm. I, that is kind of what I try doing here, still try doing. But um, I, and so I, I just appreciate your your perspective on that, too. And and also wanted to encourage you that, that, that it is still out there, maybe not on your level. So maybe you made it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't I don't feel that way. But um, I, I I mean, I appreciate what you're saying for sure. Um, it, it, I mean, a big part of it is, you know, as far as, you know, quote unquote, making it like, I don't even know for sure what, what that would look like for me. I, I don't know so, what that means. I, I think uh, yeah. my friend clock Dodgers was, had a tweet out the other day and he was asking what, what does it mean to you to like make it? And I actually yeah. really liked, uh, uh, Josh Crocker's response. He said, you know, if you have gotten out of it, what you wanted to get out of it, then you made it. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and in a lot of ways, I think that, um, that I, I would say that I've made it because, you know, overall there, there are certainly times where I feel like I need to, to walk away from this, you know, at least temporarily, if maybe permanently, (laughs) there have been times recently where I'm just like, I don't belong here anymore. You know, this is this is not what I want to be doing. This is not feeding my spirit. And but, you know, generally speaking, um, this is, you know, fantasy football analysis, talking with, you know, the the people that I've gotten to know in the fantasy football community, podcasting, writing, all of that stuff. Um, it's it, you know, it's that's the stuff that gets me through the day. You know, sometimes our, our real life is just it can it can be absolutely terrible you know maybe you've got a shitty boss maybe you've maybe you're like me and you know started your own business and it's it's lonely and it's scary sometimes all i have to do is get on twitter and there's somebody to talk to who um you know who who values me and um values you know my opinions you know really just value my friendship a lot of times and um you know, it, that's the that's the stuff that we're trying to get out of this. At least for me, that's what I'm trying to get out of this. I don't need money. I've got a job. You know, I've got a business. Um, I, I I would love to do this full time, but that's not really my goal. My goal is just to, you know, have fun with this, to continue to enjoy this, and 
Um, you know, in that sense, I do think that I've made it. Yeah. Uh, hey, personally, personally, if I had strangers telling me to GTFO on Twitter, <laughs> I would think I have I had made it. Uh, really? But I thrive a little bit on that more negativity maybe than you do. <laughs> I try to keep it positive and everything. I put up a good face, but uh, uh, it's not. It's no um, coincidence that like that this this podcast in the off season basically just becomes a fight podcast uh, yep. where I invite people to fake football fights to argue over stuff. Um, but it's always it's always in good fun and. Uh, yeah. Well, back to your your tweet. Yeah, the guy's telling you to DTFO, and and I and I kind of half jokingly spoke spoke up, and I said, you know, well, I mean, I can't remember what I said. Basically, that he he was well, he's right about Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't have to say it like that. He could have just invited you on a podcast to argue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, so normally in that situation, I would have invited you for a fake football fight, and we could have argued over Rodgers, but. However, uh, first of all, it didn't really fit with really the mood of everything. But also, I don't get to talk a lot of quarterbacks here. And quarterbacks are a lot more your thing than mine. I tend to talk more about like running backs. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of tight ends lately, trying to get an edge there. Because I think that there is a really big edge. And just because no one talks about them. And um, I figured I'd, instead of me talking as much this episode i wanted to actually hear you and give you a chance to maybe maybe you could turn me around on rogers and some other other situations so <laughs> i did want to i wanted to talk about that and say okay so aaron Rodgers. um actually funnily enough i was on open bar a couple i don't know probably like a month ago now and the last segment we did at the end, you know how it goes at the end, you're supposed to give your outro and then some reaction or whatever. And it was top 12 quarterbacks. And it was which of those guys from last year, the top 12 are going to fall out of the top 12 next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was maybe last second to last or whatever. And my selection was Aaron Rodgers will no longer uh. be in the top 12. He is no longer an elite quarterback. <laughs> And J. Mike immediately <laughs> told me, "You'll be hearing from John Oog." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, somehow I I uh, didn't make it to the end of that episode or something, so I didn't I didn't hear that one, or you would have heard from me a lot sooner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it worked out, uh, so I got you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just simple, Josh. I mean, he's it's never happened before. He's never fallen out of the top 12 before. As long as he's been healthy for the entire season, he's finished He's finished as a quarterback one. Even last year when, you know, they a brand-new coach, brand-new system, you know, Devontae Adams misses four games. The running game works extremely well. Um, it, you know, the, the defense wins them a lot of games. And Aaron Rodgers still finished as a quarterback one. Like it, all everything went wrong for for him for fantasy purposes, and he still finishes a quarterback one. Like that's that's the thing. And and before yeah. that, and you know, and and Jacob Rickroad pointed this out to me when I when I put out this tweet. He you know he he uh, he showed that um, 
you know, Aaron Rodgers was essentially four touchdowns short of finishing as the QB six overall in 2019. And Devontae Adams missed four games. So, but, you know, beyond that, you know, regardless of the Devontae Adams thing, you know, that again, the running game was extremely effective. And one thing that I've kind of, uh, that I've kind of started to, um, to employ a little bit is uh, the notion that, you know, because we talk about splash plays with running backs and how that's not sticky. You know, those are those are fluky. Aaron Jones breaks a, you know, a 50-yard run. That's pretty fluky. To me, the thing that's also equally fluky is a one-yard touchdown plunge because, you know, the a lot of times what happens in order for you to end up at the one-yard line instead of in the end zone is, you know, it, it like a, a pass interference in the end zone. That's a big thing. You know, that happened quite a bit to Aaron Rodgers where, you know, if he completes that pass, he gets the touchdown instead of Aaron Jones. And, you know, if that happened four times, we're talking about, again, you know, quarterback six for the season in a, obviously in a down year for him. So, you know, there, there were a lot of, a lot of ways that it could have gone differently for him. And even with all of those, all of those factors that went the other way, he still finishes the quarterback one. Yeah, I I hear you. And I'm not going to look, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is bad. I'm not saying any of that, (laughs) but you know, who else also finished a quarterback one and only 11 points behind him, Tom Brady. I mean, did, did you want Tom Brady as your fantasy quarterback last year? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a fair point. Um, I mean, yeah, a, a big part of it in 2019 was stay healthy, you know, um, that's, that was the big key. And, you know, that, that's a, I think that was the the number one indicator of being a quarterback one was just, you know, playing the entire season. Although I think Pat Mahomes still made it in. I'm, I'm sure he did. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, he missed, I think, two games and still uh, finishes a QB one. Yeah, at least two but, and was about 10 points ahead of Rodgers. Yeah. But with all the guys who missed time, you know, it, it kind of stands to reason that, you know, in terms of year long scoring, um, you know, just to, to finish as a QB one, all it all it really took was to stay healthy. Um, he was so, outside the top 12, I think somewhere around, I'm trying to count here, somewhere around 14, 15th in points per game. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and even then, you know, that's, that one's still difficult because I mean, he had that monster game against Oakland. I think he had five touchdowns total, um, you know, passing and rushing something like that. Um, Rogers said is like, it, he had a, he had a handful of just absolutely monster games and then. You know, so it's, it's, I don't know. There's, there's not a great metric for this. It's just, uh, but uh, you know, that's kind of true of all quarterbacks. You know, I, Jameis Winston ended up as a, what was he like the quarterback three, the quarterback four, something like that. Um, yeah, somewhere around the, five. It depended a little bit on your scoring settings, but, um, yeah, somewhere yeah. In, around five, four, four or five. Yeah. 
But there were some weeks where he absolutely killed you, particularly in the yeah. playoffs. You know, in your fantasy playoffs, he um he he lost people a lot of he lost people some weeks. So, you know, it's 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 kind of tough to to go off of that too much, but um you know, and it at the end of the day, you know, Rodgers did enough to be a QB1. Brady almost did enough. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 and it, that's kind of the thing with Superflex. It's you know, at at the end of the at the end of the day, it doesn't matter too much. You know how they got there. It's just that you know my my friend Jordan McNamara loves to talk about this, but really, kind of what we're looking for in our for our fantasy lineups is you know just the guys who score the most points over the course of a season. Sometimes they're going to let you down on a per week basis, but at the end of the day, they're going to give you enough points that odds are you're going to be competitive. And, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he gave you enough points over the course of the season that he kept you in games for the most part, uh, every single week. He had a couple really, he, he did have some stinkers. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, the only person who didn't is Pat Mahomes, but, uh, you know, he, he, he gave you a, he put you in a position to win every single week. Yeah. I guess my, my point is really just when saying that he's outside the top 12 for me is that especially in a one quarterback league, like he, I don't, he's not going to, I don't want him as my starter because I feel like I can for cheaper get a couple quarterbacks that have uh that i can sit and start and average out a better result than i would have if i if i'm playing matchups than i have with just him now in a super Mm -hmm. flex you you can't do that as easy obviously but even then in a super flex because of that very same reason i would be comfortable with him as my quarterback too i gave i gave george from break from the grind a hard time because he drafted Aaron Rodgers and Scott Fishbowl, but it was his, even I admitted, it was his second quarterback. He had Dak as his quarterback one. So mm-hmm. I just don't want Aaron Rodgers as my number one tight end in really any format. And to me, if you don't want the guy as your number one, then he he's not a top 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... That's that's probably fair. I mean, um, you know, if we're, if we're talking value, I think that you could do worse at this point. Aaron Rodgers' ADP is just has just been falling and falling. Um, you know, so he he kind of is getting to that range now for a for a one quarterback league where, you know, he's going late enough that it's worth it. You can wait a long time on quarterback, and then you can still get him, and then. You know, maybe you get a young guy like a, a Drew Locke is another one of the um, another guy that I like a lot this year. And, um, you know, you can hope that Drew Locke hits. But if he doesn't, you're you know, you're really pretty safe with Aaron Rodgers. So, um, you know, I, I he's he's risky. I'll give you that. It's it's very risky to say um, that I want. Aaron Rodgers as you know he's he's going to be my quarterback he's going to be my QB one 
uh, regardless of the format. It's it's risky. I think that he is still capable of this. I mean, he's done it. Like I said, he's he's been there every single year. And, you know, he's he's he really is fairly consistent. He doesn't turn the ball over um, the touchdown. The touchdowns, you know, it was down in 2019, but there's plenty of room for a bounce back. Um, you well, know, and the, and the stuff thing, about that. That is one thing I was going to kind of dig into here, I guess, to get into a little more specifics is that his touchdown rate has been uh, historically for his career pretty high. I think up yeah. around 6%, which is pretty good. Um, but over the last couple years, it's like... I say last couple, I literally mean the past two, it's been down <laughs> in the fours. And yep. so are we thinking that that is just because of the situation, because of injury, because, you know, Adams is out half a season. Is is that mm-hmm. going to rebound? Is that going to, uh, I'm trying to get away from regression. Is that going to revert, you know, to his, his own average of being closer to six? Or is he just getting older and is the team changing? Well, I I think that in my my co-hosts on the Superflex Super Show hate this because it sounds like I'm making excuses and I mean I guess in a way I am, but you know the the there is context. And 2018, you know Mike McCarthy's last year Aaron Rodgers, you know, he uh got a he suffered a sprained MCL in the first half of the first game and on his plant leg and played on that the entire season. You know, that's it, it it's tough to to generate power and drive the ball down the field when, you know, when you've got a you know, a compromised knee um on your on your front leg, on your plant leg and um you know, not to mention the fact that you're always thinking about it, it, what what tends to happen with quarterbacks is they end up throwing off their back foot because they're afraid to plant. They're afraid to take another hit in that same knee. So, you know, there was there was a little bit of missing context there in 2018, 2019. Yeah, the you know the the philosophy seemed to change a little bit. My belief though is Matt Lafleur you know, wanted to make this a run heavy team, and I think that he still does. I think that you know, ultimately that's going to be the goal, but you know, they get to the NFC championship. They, uh, first of all, they got crushed by the, the 49ers twice, but they get to the NFC championship by running the ball, playing good defense and, you know, generally taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and get absolutely destroyed by the team that they're trying to emulate. He wants to be what, you know, what he had in, Tennessee, he wants to be what he sees in San Francisco. You know, you win with defense, you win with the running game, and, you know, you just go to the quarterback when you absolutely have to when, you know, there's there's no other option. And Green Bay is not they're not that. They're not they're not built to do that. He's he's going to try and build it into that over time. And by the time Jordan Love takes the reins, they'll be ready to to do that. Uh, but right now, their defense is nowhere near San Francisco's. The running game is nowhere near Tennessee's. It's it's just, it, you know, yet yet it, at the end of the day, you have to lean into what you are and what your you know 
what you're capable of doing. And right now, their best chance of winning is to is to keep Aaron Rodgers involved. And I I'm I think that he learned that lesson. I think that he learned that he's not going to out you know, out Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and, and the other thing there is you talk about then the volume is maybe changing. That I mean that's kind of what I'm concerned about too, because Rogers his completion percentage has never been uh super high. It's been above sixty percent. It's been sixty two, sixty four in that range historically yeah. and definitely over the last few years. But but he thrived off of the volume, off of the big quick strikes with that high touchdown rate and the big plays. You think back to the James Jones years, right? Like that's how mm. that offense, you know, worked for so long with Rodgers and and when McCarthy was there. And so, yeah, I, I just fear how that those two styles are going to, you know, collide when Rodgers is still throwing the ball in that way but not with the volume or the weapons to pull it off. Uh, so so he's almost going to have to transition into being more of a Drew Brees kind of completion, uh, move the ball kind of quarterback. And I don't know if Rodgers, I don't know if that's in him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and, and again, you know, the and the whole point of the, the big controversial tweet was um, the idea that I, I really don't think that the, the targets are, you know, it, that the weapons are as bad as as people think for Aaron Rodgers. They were young, you know. Yeah. Um, they, you know, and, and continuity is a big part of this. And that that was that ended up being the case with uh you know, for for the rest of those guys as well, it took a little time for Jordy Nelson um, to, to too. you know, yeah, he you know he had to he had to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust. Um, James Jones, same thing. Randall Cobb, kind of the same thing. I, he broke out a little earlier than those guys. I think it was year two for for Cobb, but you know the rest of those guys, it it, it took a little time before. You know, they Aaron Rodgers really worked them into the offense. Devontae Adams took what three, four years to break out, and now you know we view him as one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, but I mean, he he was barely on anyone's radar as a you know in his first couple of years. You know, particularly buried behind you know uh, James Jones and Jordy Nelson. But you know, I I think that that's a big part of it is it takes a little bit of time to develop that, you know, that, that, that rapport with, uh, with these young wide receivers. But now he's got a group of guys going into their third year, you know, and, and I think that a third and fourth year for a lot of these guys. And I think that, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be, the you know the first round pedigree type of guys it it never has been he's thrown one touchdown pass to a first round pick in his entire career you know i i i think that he he can work with what he's got i don't i don't trust any of those guys beyond adams for fantasy purposes but i think you know in the aggregate i think that they've got everything that they need um to be a proficient you know, scoring offense, uh, particularly through the air. 
So maybe we're not all that far off on Rodgers, but um, I'm just kind of fading him. But like you said, if his value, his his cost, I should say, falls mm-hmm. far enough, then even I can't hate it. Uh, maybe going off what you just said, is there who who's the guy there? You think that maybe um, we're we are ignoring because we're not expecting it. You know, is it they brought in Funchess, but it's his first year there. So maybe that doesn't really mm-hmm. kind of fit the equation you just gave. Um, L- Lazard kind of looked like, I mean, you, Aaron Rodgers is a funny guy, right? So it's kind of like <laughs> if he likes you, then he likes it. And if he doesn't, it's like it doesn't matter how good you do, it seems like. So, I mean, maybe Lazard is, he kind of caught it Rodgers' eye. I don't know how much of that was just necessity, but there was other guys that could have, filled in if it was just necessity but it became lazard even though he was the new guy or you mm-hmm. said third year that would be what mvs right about yeah. scantling jamon moore equinemi st brown jake kumaro yeah okay, so i mean allison is drawn or allison is gone i believe to detroit mm-hmm. so yep. it's not an option didn't work out for him third year um so are one of these other guys, is there one of them in particular that you're thinking will step up out of this crowd? Um, not really. Like I said, I think it's going to be in the aggregate. Um, I mean, I would, you know, I think it would be for for best ball purposes. I might, you know, grab a handful of those guys. At Lazard and MVS probably rise to the top for me. I still really like Equinemia St. Brown, but... Uh, I just don't know if that's ever going to get off the runway. So, um, you know, but I, 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 I think that this is still going to be kind of a, on a weekly basis, you know, one week Lazard catches a couple touchdowns because, you know, they get in close and he's the, you know, he's kind of the big body guy. I and for the same, you know, the same purposes, Devin Funches is probably going to give you a game or two somewhere. You're just not going to know when it's coming. Um, you know, MVS is kind of the field stretcher and, you know, I bet, I think he probably breaks free a, a few times, you know, throughout the course of the season. But again, you're just not going to know when it's coming. You're not going to know who's going to be the guy. All you know is Rogers is going to find Devonte Adams and somebody you just don't know for sure who it's going to be. So, you know, so for me, all of this is just, it, it, it all just funnels back to Aaron Rodgers. It's not really, a, um, you know, go get Aaron Rodgers weapons type of thing. This is too much like the, you know, the new England Patriots running back situation for all these years where there's just too many guys. I don't want to try and sort through it every single week. All right. Well, yeah, there's not a very concentrated offense uh, outside of just obviously Rodgers at quarterback and then Adams. And uh, yeah, I don't know who else to go over there either. I kind of was leaning um, Economius last year, thought that it seemed like he'd picked it up a little bit towards the end of the season before, but then he just was nowhere to be found at the beginning last year, just completely disappeared. So I've kind of been leaning Lazard just because I'm like, hey, if if he's got Roger's eye and he's still cheap. So I've kind of been going that way. Um, if I had to pick between them, that's who I'm kind of been grabbing in some late leagues. 
at least dynasty mm-hmm. startups, but that's that's about it. I mean, not redraft even. Um, yeah. it's funny you mentioned the the Patriots. So I am I don't know if you knew I'm I am a Patriots fan. Um, so Brady, Tom Brady, lost him now. I don't have him. Uh, I still, I still like Tom Brady, and I hope he does well over there at Tampa Bay. Um, but that's an offense last year that was not, uh, that that was concentrated, I should say, in the receiving game, where you had both Evans and Godwin. Um, the third guy was kind of whoever, but between those two one of them was having a big game every single week sometimes even both what do you think about brady this year is yeah what 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 do you see for him in 2020 the i mean so since you're the patriots fan actually you know i was kind of the one that that said you know off air hey we we should maybe talk about tom brady and and a big reason for it is you know, because I, I kind of don't know. <laughs> and he's going, in, so in the latest uh, ADP, um, DLF Superflex Dynasty ADP, he's going at 84 overall. I mean, that's really not bad. He is going ahead of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. That's interesting. Um, Drew Locke, Kirk Cousins. So maybe people are kind of coming around on this a little bit, but. Um, you know, still going after Sam Darnold, going after Jared Goff. And here's the thing, like, you know, we, we, at the, at the top of the ADP, we've got, uh, you know, Chris Godwin going 17th overall, um, you know, so in the, kind of in the middle of the second round, um, Mike Evans, where's my, oh, Mike Evans at 33. Yeah. So <laughs> we're definitely... There's been some market corrections on all of these guys. It's all over. But yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, so kind of the the question for me is, you know, if those guys, so we still have Rob Gronkowski as kind of a mid to low tight end, tight end one. Um, You know, Chris Godwin is a, as a, you know, high-end wide receiver one. Mike Evans is a low-end wide receiver one. It, if if we think that Tom Brady can support all those guys, shouldn't we be higher on Tom Brady? I mean, I think so, yeah. but I mean, we just said a minute ago he was still a top – he was quarterback 12 last year. Now mm-hmm. that I he had a much better start to the season – the second half season was pretty bad and he just got enough points and played all 16 games. So that's how he gets there. But yeah, I kind of find it weird that do we honestly think he's going to do worse than that this year? Right. <laughs> yeah. And in, you know, in Bruce Arians offense with weapons all over the place and, you know, I, this is something I've kind of been talking about, you know, really all off season and, um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I hate to, to touch a nerve for you here, but at the same time, it's, it's not that I'm throwing this in your face by any means, <laughs> you know, as a, as a Patriots fan, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, you know, I've been consistent with this. So, but you know, the, I, I, I think back to 2007, you know, Tom Brady gets Randy Moss, he's got Wes Welker. And they open up the playbook. 
they just let him let him go out and throw it all over the yard. 50 touchdowns, you know, sets a new record. Um, Randy Moss with 25 of those, I believe, which also was also a an NFL record. They go 18 and 0, get to the Super Bowl, and then they lose there. And it it seemed like that's when Bill Bill Belichick said, "All right, that doesn't work. That's not the winning formula." Obviously, because we lost the Super Bowl, you know, it, it, you know, forget the, the first 18 wins. It's that one loss that tells you everything you need to know, which is that you don't win championships throwing the ball all over the place. You win championships by running the football and by playing good defense. And since then, I mean, that's kind of been that you know, that's been what the, the Patriots have been ever since. That's really kind of what got them the, the, you know, the first few Super Bowls too. But since then, you know, so much of, of what they've been has, it's been defense, it's been running the ball and it's been Brady as a game manager. And my theory is that that's frustrating. That was frustrating to Tom Brady to a point where, you know, now he goes to Bruce Arians' offense, where we know that Bruce Arians is not afraid to th- to open the playbook. He's not afraid to let his quarterback throw. It, again, weapons all over the place. I think that you know this is going to be a little bit of therapy for Tom Brady, and I think that that Arians is the perfect guy to let him just explode. You know, I I think that we're going to see a very high-powered offense. I think it's going to be a very high ratio of of passing to rushing. Um, I I don't. It, it it's a little hard to imagine a forty-two-year-old Tom Brady, you know, going for, um, you know, attempting six hundred passes, but you know, in with any kind of of success. But I think they're going to try it. But that's what I have him <laughs> and, for. 600 <laughs> is that right yeah i just looked at it i had pull was pulling it up Sorry. that's awesome what, what do you got for like completions and completion percentage whatever well well i'll get there uh i i agree with where you landed with where um i guess i disagree with the, your timeline a little bit i actually think i think that Billichek switched it was actually after the second loss to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Um, really? Because they still kept it up. You think about those years, especially the first couple of years with Gronk and Hernandez, they were still very high-powered, um, high uh, high number of plays. They they were running they were running the hurry up on a consistent basis before Chip Kelly came, and that became supposedly the next big thing. What are you talking about? The year before that, Belichick was doing it already you'd be the middle of the second round and all of a sudden they do this entire series where Brady the entire series was hurry up no huddle out of nowhere mm-hmm. they would just do this blitzkrieg on on offense defenses and then they completely took them by surprise and that kind of morphed over time to the kind of what we saw in um would have been 2015 years where they would still do that but more a little bit more strategically but yeah, I, I do agree that I think in the recent years Brady has become a little frustrated, um, and I do think that, and I don't know how much of it was intentional, but 
that's just how Belichick wants to run his team. He is a defensive guy. He's always had those defenses. And it's hard to disagree with the results because they turned right. to that and then they won three more Super Bowls. So it's like, okay, yeah. well, yeah. Um, yeah, he, I, he he wasn't wrong, you know. It just yeah. sucks to be a quarterback knowing that, you know, you've got the one coach in the world who's, you know, who's who's going to be militant in his insistence on, you know, managing the play, the the game, you know, with the passing game and right. really just kind of focusing on the run and the defense. And it had to kill Brady, I thought, oftentimes. It had to have killed Brady all those years when Peyton Manning was over there running those offenses and just doing whatever he wanted to. Yeah, it had to kill him sometimes to be like, why can't I do that? Um, So, no, like I said, I agree with where you're at because I've been telling people that, yeah, Brady is a top 10 quarterback this year. Um, I'm predicting basically like 2007-ish, 17-ish kind of numbers. So I have them for like 600. I, I've done one pass on my projections just so you know. I'm going to be going over them one more time because I I do need to fix some things. I My touchdowns were too low league-wide. I mean, my interceptions were too low league-wide, and uh, there was a couple teams I needed to touch up. But I'm looking at this one, and I think, I've, I think I'm pretty comfortable with this one. So I had 600 pass attempts, 394 completions for 65, almost 66 completion rate, 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, 5% touchdown rate, 11 interceptions. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's pretty comparable to his 2017 season. Um, and... Yeah, I think, uh, look, I will continue to not bet against Tom Brady until it's wrong, and then when it's wrong, I'll accept it. But in the meantime, I will not bet against Tom (laughs) Brady. Um, I think especially now, there is not a human being on the planet more driven than Tom Brady. Uh, He, yeah. I'm not betting against that. He's, you know, he's got that fire. He's running those, uh, those camps, even if they weren't supposed to. Maybe he, he's out there. Look, if you don't think he's doing everything he can do to win, and if you don't think that it's gonna be, you know, pedal to the metal, throat, you know, foot to the neck, just, just he's not gonna let up, and Arians is gonna let him do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, and that's like you said, that's kind of the key. Could have gone somewhere where maybe the coach would try to hold that. But I don't think Aaron look, Arians let Jameis Winston go out there and keep throwing it despite <laughs> 30 interceptions. Do you yeah. really think he's going to tell Tom Brady that he can't throw? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind here, you know, besides the fact that there's a little bit of a, a, you know, at least just totally my guess, but there's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a middle finger type attitude towards uh, Belichick and the the Patriots. But the other thing is, you know, through through all of the game managing that he was kind of asked to do over the years, he still finds himself right in the middle of the race with Drew Brees for career touchdowns, career yards, they're going to go back and forth on those records. 
And I don't know if either one of these guys is going to retire until they have the record <laughs> secured. Like it, this, this could be an ongoing thing. And, you know, that's it. I think that that at this point, you know, he's got six championship rings. This might not even be about winning championships for Tom Brady anymore. It might be about, you know, securing those records and Bruce Arians, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, uh, your guy, Dare, you know, those are, those are the guys who are gonna, who are gonna give him the opportunity to, you know, to, to, to win that, that boat race with Drew Brees, I think. Yeah. I, and I don't even think it's a middle finger to the, the Patriots, um, I know that there was all the reports and everything about behind the scenes and all that, but, and, and I'm sure they they had heated conversations, but I think they've got enough respect for each other. I think it's just, yeah, he wants to prove himself, um, apart from Belichick. Uh, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean Belichick has to do bad or anything. It just, he wants to prove that he can do it without him and that, and that's an interesting point about the just padding the stats kind of thing. You know, he and Breeze are going to play chicken here with the retirement. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll that'll be interesting to keep an eye out for sure. On that offense, then, do you have – I mean, who's who do you think is the wide receiver one? I mean, are you falling into this thing? Uh, My, Mike Evans has been falling, I guess, because people, I presume – think that Godwin's a little bit more of the slot guy that Brady's going to focus on, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what's your thinking? Yeah. It, uh, and, it, and I get that. It certainly felt last year like Chris Godwin was the safer option of the two. It felt like he was more consistent. And people really kind of, you know, pe- people have really soured on Mike Evans because of the inconsistency. Um, I mean, he was a wide receiver one, I believe, eight of the 16 weeks. And, you know, which which is really pretty good for most wide receivers, as it turns out. It felt It felt bad because, you know, when he was on, he was awesome. But when he was off, he was just, the, he was awful. The lows you know? were so, low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was really peaks and valleys with him. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, if you're going to get, if you tell me that you're going to give me, you know, I'm going to get a wide receiver who's going to give me, you know, eight wide receiver one weeks, I'm taking that. I'm buying that. Um, I think Mike Evans is, is the more talented wide receiver. You know, I think that he, he's, he's the better deep threat. Um, you know, how much are they going to throw deep? I don't, I don't know exactly, but you know, I think especially, you know, you lose Perriman, you know, you don't have a whole lot of speed, uh, outside of Evans and, and, you know, it, it's, it's going to be more of a contested, ball type of thing with him. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that that's something that they're going to have to have. You can't just dump it down all the time. You can't just, you, you've got to take shots down the field. And I think Evans is your guy when it comes time to do that. So, you know, Evans is still my guy Uh, at the end of the day, just the bottom line is he's just a better wide receiver. He's, he's more talented. 
And I think that that rises to the top. That's the whole vacated targets thing, by the way, that Peter Howard always talks about. The ultimate conclusion is, you know, good, talented wide receivers are going to command targets. And I think Mike Evans is is going to he's going to stand out for Brady. Yeah, I know a lot of people like to talk about how uh, Brady's arm strength has failed or gone down, and his deep ball has gone down. But I'm I'm not entirely convinced that's true. I know he actually changed, just changed the way he he. You can go back and watch it, and I'm no expert, but just watching the Patriots, I saw enough that I could see the difference in how uh, he was throwing the deep ball. And there was kind of one season there where it was new and it was a little bad. And ever since then, everyone's kind of locked onto that idea that, oh, he can't throw deep anymore. But I I don't know. I don't know about it. I think he can. Um, and, and the way he's done that is he's kind of done it. He uh, he basically drops his his shoulder and, and, and just put a little bit more arc on it, which may actually work out just fine for Mike Evans. So uh, if you can drop it in there. So it's 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 just a matter of, uh, I think, how much you you believe Brady's dropped off. And like I said, I'm not betting against him. So I think Evans is going to do just fine, like you said. He's going to be typical Mike Evans, up and down. But I I think it's ridiculous to bet against a guy. It's ridiculous. if you're, let's, let's say this. Look. If your projections have Mike Evans coming out with less than 1,000 yards, you should fix that. Yeah. Because, because he hasn't, he hasn't ever <laughs> had less than 1,000 yards. Why is he going to start now? Right. Uh, I would lean Godwin just because of the more P in PPR, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'll do the that old trope. Uh, yeah. Godwin and PPR and Evans and Standard, uh, or non-PPR, I should say. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't – you can't go wrong with either one of these guys. And as far as Gronk goes in my projections, I'm kind of just treating him like frosting. So it's like if he can give him anything, it's just on top. I don't really think – I don't have him taking anything away. I have for Evans – uh, what did I do? I hedged. I gave Evans and Godwin both 120 targets. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. I, I think they'll be fine. Um, they win in different ways. You know, Godwin has a higher catch rate, but Evans has more yards per target. It, it, it's just it's just the way they play. It, the styles, I think, uh, complement each other. And I've seen Brady work with all of those receivers. I mean... Godwin would be pretty comparable to, you know, Brown from years pack. Um, there's not really an Edelman and a Welker. That's fine. But we've seen, obviously, Moss. I'm not calling Mike Evans Moss, but he is more in that vein um, as far as the deep pass. So we've seen Brady have success with players in these roles before. Uh, one guy you mentioned, because I had mentioned him, uh the one people joked about this i made this reference a few a, a while back before the before the draft i had a uh, clock dodgers on and we were talking about free agency and someone had brought up how they they had this whole thing about oh before um 
there was was Brown, and then there was Welker, and there was Edelman. Brady's never not had his slot guy, so who's it going to be? And of course, a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? Godwin was 50% out of the slot. But the other, I, I responded to that with, hey, um, there was, you know, before there was James White, and before that there was Shane Vereen, and then before that there was, uh, I cannot believe, Mark, okay, there it is, Falk. Uh, I was blanking <laughs> on the name. I was getting to it. I'm starting to panic. I'm like, I know I know the guy's name. Yes, there was, of course, Falk. And so he's never been without his receiving running back. So who's it going to be, you know? And so the only conclusion we could come with was Darea Gunvalale. Going into the NFL draft, they said they were looking at drafting someone to compete with Dare, and they were throwing their support behind Ronald Jones. But then in the draft, they drafted someone to compete with Ronald Jones, not Dare. So uh, then they're running all these camp, these practices, and who's there? It's not Ronald Jones. It's Dare. So, yeah, uh, cheap, cheap uh, zero running back for you. Zero running backs, all the, everyone's talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, while we're all trying to figure out Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, exactly. you know, go get the guy who has, you know, a, a an established role. Guys, I'm going to cut it off right there. Part one, I'm going to split this up because we just had too much uh, too much of a good time. And to make it easier on you guys, I'm going to make this a two-parter. Yes, this is just a massive conspiracy to get more downloads. So be sure to go get part two. It's coming out right along with this one. We get more into other quarterbacks, their weapons, and of course, as I promised, talk about the Fusion Flex Charity League and a little bit about Scott Fishbowl type scoring in general and how that could impact Super Flex Leagues in the future. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you.